If you've been praying, please continue to pray because the doctors didn't give any hope, and yet this, this showed some real change in the cancer, and so we're, we're giving God praise. How many of you know God still works miracles? This morning, I'm starting a new series called Get Back In because I'll be honest, the last year and a half, I shared a Sunday or two ago that I felt like that I'm piloting a plane and I've been in a year and a half holding pattern flying around the city and we can't land the plane, we can't get out and do anything. And I just want to say that this morning, as those of you that are watching online, if you are home with a serious immunocompromised position, stay at home. But I want to say to those of you that are there and you really belong here with us, but you've gotten out of the habit, because let me just tell you, it, I've had to shake myself. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just, just dealing with this stuff that we're going through, and these days, you, 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 about, you almost need a mask in your back pocket because you don't know if, if this store is going to require them, that one's not, and all this. And, and we, we bless everybody. We love everybody on both sides of all those arguments, and we won't argue about it. Just, just let you know. And when everybody else responds with anger, we are going to respond in grace. Come on, Christians. Somebody say amen. So this morning, the title of the message is called The Church, The Hope of the World. Now, I want to be brief. This is a one-service Sunday here and uh, a summer holiday. We always do that on Memorial Day, Independence Day weekend, and Labor Day weekend. And because people are traveling, folk have families in, they're grilling and barbecuing and Man, I'm so excited for cooler weather to have some fire pit Fridays and invite some brothers over and, and just be able to fellowship together. Not just the brothers, but we'll do some couples and some sisters too. So, But this morning, the message is grounded in the text found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. The title of the message is called The Church, The Hope of the World. And I'll explain that in a moment. I truly believe the church is the hope of the world. And I believe the church is the hope of the world because Jesus is the hope of the church. Are you hearing me? Now, we are here. He's seated in the, at the right head, excuse me, of the majesty on high, Hebrews chapter 1 says. And so the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, of which he is the head, we are the ongoing incarnation of Christ in the earth, the body of Christ. The body that we are is called Christ. We are the anointed people of God. We are the, the, the temple of the Lord. We are the house of God. We are the family of God. This morning in Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19, three verses, the Bible says, let me back up and just give you the little context. Jesus asks the disciples the question, Who, whom do men say that I am? And they answered, well, some say Elijah, some Isaiah, Esaias, as it's in the New Testament, but it's Isaiah, Jeremiah, other, one of the prophets. And Jesus says, okay, and he looks at them and he said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon speaks up, who's about to get a name change, which I think is indicative of the old life passing and the new life coming into vibrance. His new, he's a new creation man in Christ and God is about to, Jesus is about to rename Simon. He's going to become Peter, the apostle, okay? And he says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, 
The King James says Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar in Greek is son of. Jonah, John are the same word, okay? You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has, everybody say the word that's, that's emboldened. It's revealed. Everybody say revealed. Okay, he says, my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. King James says, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven, okay? Going on, he says, now I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and literally in the Greek it's pebble, and he says, upon this rock, and that's a great stone. So we're talking about a difference in the piece of pea gravel and Gibraltar. He says, you are Peter, Petra, Petros are the two different Greek words. And he says, you are a pebble, you are a small stone, but upon this rock, upon this Gibraltar, what is this rock Jesus is talking about? And I did not put it on the screen, but it's very simple. It is the acrostic R-O-C-K. How does God build? And we'll get to that in a moment. It is the revelation of Christ's kingdom. R-O-C-K. Rock, the rock upon which the kingdom is built is the revelation of Christ's kingdom. Okay? He says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid, King James says, whatever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. The, NI, the NLT says it this way, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. One thing, this is the tool that I use to repeat during the message, to underscore, to summarize, to basically kind of just pull everything together in a nice package so that you can take this home. If you don't remember anything else that I say, I always want you to grab the one thing because it's the heart of the message. It's the core of what we're trying to say. The kingdom is God's purpose. The church is his instrument. So God's eternal purpose is tied up in his lordship, in his government, in his kingdom. King is the ruler, dominion or domain is the land or the people over which he rules. And then we shorten king's dominion to kingdom, okay? So he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. He said, and I, the one thing is, the kingdom is God's purpose. The church is his instrument because Jesus is the hope of the church. The church is the hope of the world. Put your hands together. That's good. All right. Now say this with me. Come on, like you mean it, everybody. Let's do it, let's do it from the get-go, the first time. Here we go. The kingdom is God's purpose. The church is his instrument because Jesus is the hope of the church. The church is the hope of the world. So God's purpose is his government. The church is the instrument that he has to advance that. On the wall out there, the reason for victory, our motto, our slogan, our, our mission statement, it says victory church exists to make disciples who honor God and advance his kingdom because the kingdom is God's purpose. The church is his instrument. Jesus is the hope of the church. And because of that, the church is the hope of the world. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. We lean into you this morning. Thank you for your breath in our lungs. We acknowledge that, that we possibly might not even have woke up this morning, but you you breathed into us. You've given us another day. The psalmist said, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. 
And let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's your breath in our lungs and we, we sing it out. We give you our praise, O oh God. I ask you, I acknowledge before you and everyone hearing this right now that I desperately need you. I am nothing apart from you, but I'm also grateful that because of you in Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Be the ears and the eyes and the heart. Open us this morning. Lord, as we submit right now, we just open our hearts and we ask you to plant the seed of this message that will bring eternal change into our lives. We'll be careful to give you the praise. And it is in the name of Jesus that we lift this up and all of God's people said, amen. I believe the, the word is intentional in the New Testament. It is the word ecclesia. We get the word ecclesiastical. We think of government and the church. We think of a hierarchy. Ecclesiastes, the book. We, we think of the wisdom of God that is there. E e ecclesia is the, the Greek word which means called out to rule. Ecclesia comes from the Greek word kaleo, to call. Not just to call, but to call out of. How many of you know that we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light? First Peter to 10. Prior to that, it says, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many of you know you've been called out? You've been called out of sin. You've been called into righteousness. You've been called out of wandering into a direction that God establishes. We are called out. We are a people that are called out. But it's interesting that when you look at the history behind this word, this was the word that was used specifically to describe the Roman Senate. They spoke Greek in uh, the common language in terms of the New Testament and what it was written in. Now, obviously, in the streets of Jerusalem, they were speaking Aramaic, Hebrew, okay, but the New Testament is written to us in common or just the language of the people and the Apostle Paul and what the word is that here that Jesus used is the Greek word ekklesia, which is a description of the Roman government. So we are the Roman Senate, okay? They are representatives of the people. Now, we are representatives of God to the people of the earth. We are ekklesia. We are called out to rule now, that's not to strong arm and put a thumb on somebody, but the rule in the kingdom of God is from the bottom up, and that is if we're going to rule, we have to learn how to serve. Everybody say serve. Okay? So when we, when we exert uh, unnecessary opinions in extremely polarized days, we've really gotten a little disconnected from our purpose as the church, and that is to get up underneath the burdens of the world and to serve people and to love them and show them. The scripture says, Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have your theology right. Is that what he said? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you vote right. That's not what Jesus said. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love. Everybody say love. Love one to another. Not just for something, but to something. Love is a verb. Love is an action. It's not just a word. It's not just a thought I think or a word I speak, but it's an action I do. It is the world will know that we are his disciples if we have love one toward, one to another kingdom is God's purpose. The church is his instrument because Jesus is the hope of the world. The church, 
Jesus is the hope of the church. The church is the hope of the world. How does God build? God builds in this very way that we pointed out in Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. Flesh and blood do not reveal this. Revelation is the way God advances his kingdom. You know what? You don't, get, you don't become part of the kingdom of God until God opens your eyes and shows you that you're a sinner and you desperately need Jesus. And then his love fills you and his grace surrounds you and his mercy is pardoning over you. And then his spirit comes into you and he's washing you by the blood and by the water of the Holy Spirit and by the word. And because of that, you're a new creation now and that revelation of who you are now and not who you used to be. So many Christians live in a place of continual defeat because they're living in an identity that is no longer who they are. I'm not who I used to be and I also know I'm not what I'm going to be, but I know right now that I'm his and he is mine. Hallelujah. God builds by revelation, and it is the Greek word apocalypsis or apocalypto. One of them is a verb, one of them is a noun. Revelation is the noun. To reveal is the verb. This is the title of the last book of the Bible. It is called, it's not revelations, plural. It's the way people all the time, and, I, and I, I'm not going to be a pedantic um, horse's rear end. I cleaned up what I was thinking. <laughs> Oh, I can't believe you said that, Pastor. Oh, get up. Come on, quit being so churchy. Let's get real. Let's be real. And I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to act that way. But it's, the, it's singular. It is the revelation, singular, of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the end times. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's the unveiling, the, the manifestation, the uncovering of who Jesus is. Come on, somebody. The kingdom is God's purpose. The church is his instrument because Jesus is the hope of the church. The church is the hope of the world. I'm, I've got 10 reasons that I'm going to give you real quick, literally about a minute and a half per, okay? We're going to hit the ground running. Can oh, You put a timer on me. You, somebody go, I don't believe he can do this. Just, just watch me. Hide and watch. Here we go. Point, reason number one. Reasons why we should prioritize the local church. Reasons why you should get back in and be a part of the assembly, a part of the gathering together. The scripture says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. When we come together, we experience the special presence of Jesus. Well, pastor, I can experience that in my home. That's true. That's exactly right. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, you don't have to go home to be married either, but the longer you stay away, it's going to affect that relationship. Now, don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good this morning. No, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but Christians go to church. Christians don't just go to church. Christians are the church, and the church gathers, and we celebrate. And when we do, Jesus says, if you guys can get your act together, I will show up just to see it. Point number two. Ten reasons to prioritize the local church. Making disciples by teaching God's word. Sure, you can read it at home. I can read it at home. But there's something that is anointed that takes a hot coal off of the altar of God and it delivers it right. To, it's like Amazon. I'll deliver it right to your front door and ring your doorbell. Sometimes it amazes me how people will come to me and say, Pastor, you were reading my mail this morning. Pastor, do, do you know what was going on in my life this week? I have absolutely no clue. But the Spirit of God has the ability to tailor make the suit you're going to wear out of here this morning. 
the encouragement you're going to have on your back as you get into your car and drive into this next week. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We, we gather and we hear the word of God. And the word of God builds our faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. It corrects us. It protects us. It teaches us. It prophetically guides us. It charges us with a mandate. We need to hear the word of God. Come on, somebody. Well, I can do that on TV. Well, yeah, you sure can. But let me just ask you something. When you need somebody to come pray for you, is your TV preacher going to come see you in the hospital? Are they going to come to your house and pray? No, just let me leave that alone. Point number three. Told you I could do it. Here we go. Ten reasons to prioritize the local church. Number three, united worship. We touched something a moment ago. By the way, don't you love Colby Chrysler? Let's give her a hand this morning. What, a, what an anointing. What a presence of the Holy Spirit in her life. So excited for what the Lord is doing in, in our ministry and our worship team. Every one of them were just great this morning. Sid and Emily as well. Jesus says himself, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 12. There's something about united worship. Listen, I have in the course of my life, I am 60 years old. I grew up in church. I slept under a church pew when I was two and under. I started sitting on the bench playing music in church when I was nine. I, and, and all of my life, I've grown up I'm either playing the, the keyboard, the piano, or a synthesizer, or the B3 or something. And, 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 and just being in that place of the united worship, there were times where the Spirit of God has moved and I've seen and heard the testimonies that have been medically verified by people who got healed during worship. No man could get any glory from it because no man laid hands on anybody's sick head. But during the worship, Jesus' presence came down and touched people and they were transformed and they were healed. Jesus does that. When Jesus shows up, stuff changes. Somebody say amen. The kingdom is God's purpose. The church is his instrument. Because Jesus is the hope of the church, the church is the hope of the world. Ten reasons why we prioritize the local church. Number four, united in prayer. Yes, there's something that when you don't have to ever be afraid that one person who prays, God hears. But it also says in Matthew chapter 18 that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them for, by my Father in heaven. So there's power. There is a synergy in the prayer of agreement. Greek word symphoneo. Get in symphony in prayer with us as we seek the Lord for this city. As we touch the delta, Jesus is our hope, but victory is one of the churches in the area that is the hope of the delta to bring change. Number five, fellowship. Ten reasons to prioritize the local church. Fellowship. Acts chapter 2 says it this way. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Come on, there's something that happens. There's some Greek word koinonia. There's some communion. There's some fellowship that Happens when you get a bunch of fellows in the same ship, you're going to really get to know each other. You're going to really learn and bond together, and there's a strength and there's a covenantal bond that occurs when one is in need and the others begin to rush to the side of that weaker one and minister to them and strengthen them. There is something in fellowship. It is not just on Sunday morning where you're looking at the back of somebody's head, but we have community here, and there is the same care one for another in this. Fellowship. The scripture says 
They shared in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had, and they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. You know what? Everybody, I have a Sunday once in a while where I don't even want to show up down here, but when I leave, I'm always glad that I did because something happens. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Everybody in the room, you have those days where you just rather just pull the covers up over your head and just go back and get a couple more hours? Come on, some, anybody honest in the room? Yeah, and you just go, no, no, I, I know, I know what I, this is important in my life. I prior, Well, it's your job, pastor. No, let me tell you something. There, I come and sit there on the front row if one of our lead, other lead team members is preaching, and I sit in both services, and I hear the message both times, and I encourage them because I will get something the second time I didn't get in the first. And I love the fellowship. We, we, we split into two services here, and I want to be able to shake hands and see the people. As soon as it's over, that's why you see me walk out, because I want to catch as many people as I can and say, how you doing? What's going on? How can I pray for you? The scripture says in Proverbs 27, let every shepherd know the state of his flocks, and that's my job. But it's also just something that we do as fellow members of the body of Christ. We love and care for each other. Somebody say amen. Number six, sacred unions and passings, marriages, life celebrations, funerals. The preacher joke is that we hatch them, match them, and dispatch them. <laughs> Birth, marriage, and then send them, dispatch them into the heavenlies. Kingdom of, is God's purpose. The church is his instrument because Jesus is the hope of the church. The church is the hope of the world. Are you getting anything out of this? We need to get back in. While I'm here, okay, well, are you helping? Are you serving? Are you, are you helping a serve team somewhere? Get back in. Get committed. Well, I'm a little concerned about, you know, being around a lot of people. Well, put on a mask and just do that for this hour and help us meet folk and help us love on the Lord's people. Somebody say amen. Number seven. I told you I can do it. Here we go. Exercise your spiritual gifts. God has given you talent and natural abilities and life experiences that are different from mine and different from David Smith's and different from Carla's and, 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 and different from uh, Wilson over here, whose name just went out the window, you know. Chris, see, there it is. It took me a minute. The CD jumped off the track in my brain up here, and it took me a second. You know I know your name, Chris. Scripture says in 1 Peter 4, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You can't serve the body of Christ at home. All right? I know I'm talking to everybody who's here at the place today, but there's some folks that are just not here just because you've gotten out of a habit, and you just shake yourself. Come on. Get back in. Look at your neighbor and say, we need to get back in. Tell somebody. Number eight, evangelism. This is... A critical arm of the local church, evangelism, a visible witness of the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew 8, 18, he says, I will, I'm sorry, 18, 16 verses 18, I will build my church and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You have the ability to pray and see circumstances change in the lives of your family members and in your friends and in your children and in your grandchildren. And there's nothing more powerful. There's not a more powerful evangelistic uh, a testimony of God's ability to heal and a miracle than when you say, I prayed and this is what God did. I love that. Number nine, spiritual covering and accountability. 
You ain't going to get none of that at home. The pastor, the elders, leaders of the church are responsible, the scripture says in Hebrews 13, 17, for constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to render an account. I mean, you know, when the books are open, I'm going to have to tell the Lord, yeah, yeah, this guy was, I'm telling you, was consistent. You could count on him. And it's quiet in here right now. It's what the word of the Lord says. Going to have to give an account. I'll just let that hang and I'm moving on. Number 10 and I'm finished. Yes, I did it. The kingdom is God's purpose. The church is his instrument. Because Jesus is the hope of the church, the church is the hope of the world. Last one. There's something, you know, I, I can do a lot of things. I can get a lot of things at home. But this last one, I believe it takes the recognition of the family of God. We can participate in sacred events. We just celebrated one this morning during our worship time. It's called the Lord's Table, the Covenant Meal, Holy Communion, the Eucharist, whatever your tradition. We called it the Lord's Supper in my Pentecostal background. Every one of those are accurate. Every one of those give just a little different reflection. Eucharistos means to give thanksgiving. The covenant meal is a picture of the blood that was shed and the meal that's shed at the time of a sacrifice. The blood and the, the meal that is shared when the blood is shed. Let me get those words right. So we celebrate the Lord's table. But the one we're about to celebrate here in just a moment is the landmark in our lives. It is believer's baptism. And notice I said believer's baptism because when you get in the water, you're already saved. The water does not save you. We do not believe that there is any miraculous, magical power in the water. The scripture says that we are planted in the likeness of his death and we are raised in the newness of his life. So it is the burial of an old identity, an old man, an old nature, and it is the celebration of a resurrection of a new life. Just like Peter who was Simon, got a new name. I believe that there's a new identity when we bury the old and we recognize that now, by the grace of God, his death saved me from eternal damnation, but now his life saves me. I was, I was saved from sin, but now I'm saved to something, a whole different life. I was set apart and sanctified from sin, but now I'm set apart and sanctified to righteousness and a new kind of thinking and a new way of living.